Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host as always. And our quote of the week is by Paulo Coelho, and it is be brave, take risks. Nothing can substitute experience. And we have a very wonderful and experienced guest for you today. Dr. Nito Cobain serves as the president of High Point University, where even in the middle of Great Recession, he increased enrollment by 250%, grew net assets from $56 million to almost a billion dollars, created seven new academic schools, and attracted $500 million in philanthropic investments. He's uh, amazing. His family is among the institution's most generous donors. And Dr. Cobain came to the United States as a teenager with limited knowledge of English and only $50 before going on to build businesses and business partnerships in banking, real estate, publishing, and retail businesses. He serves on the corporate boards of several Fortune 500 companies and is executive chairman of the Great Harvest Bread Company. I could go on and on. He has a tremendous bio that I simply cannot do justice to. So I would, in this limited time, prefer to bring him on and let's talk to him. Dr. Nito Cobain, how are you today? Thank you, Heather. Thank you so much. Listen, listening to that introduction, I'm going to cancel my therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am very, very excited to speak with you today. I have a lot of respect for you. And I know that by the end of this time, anyone who doesn't already know you is going to be enamored as well. So let's start before I dive into some of the questions that I really want to know the answer to. Is there anything else about your journey that you would like to share with folks today? Oh, gosh, Heather, I've had a a colorful journey um, balanced with both adversity and abundance. Mm. I've traveled the road quite often less traveled, but even that road had a lot of potholes in it. I had to learn to go over them, under them, around them. But by the grace of God and the help of others that I've ever been able to do anything in my life. And, uh, you know, it began with my turning points, right? You get to a tipping point, like in your business, mm-hmm. for those who are listening to us today, you get to a tipping point only after you've had a few turning points. You don't jump from, you know, um, uh, infancy to, you know, tipping point of great success in anything. And so for me, it began when my dad died. I was six years of age, Heather. Um, the biography channel on Amazon um, did the story of my life. It's on video. Anybody can access it on Amazon. And they asked me the question quite often. Journalists ask me the question, if you could change one thing in your life, what would be the one thing you'd want to most change in your life? I know the answer. Heather. The answer is, I'd much rather have had a dad. A dad who had read me a book, taken me to the, you know, to the circus, uh, thrown me a frisbee, taught me how to ride a bike, for heaven's sake, or how to tie a tie. But that wasn't my fate. Mm-hmm. However, Heather, as you've discovered, as you've written about, as you've taught for years, what happens is if you're open to adversity, as a learning opportunity, um, and you're committed and dedicated, and you understand that focus is more important than intelligence, you will find that you will find abundance in all that. So there was my mother, fourth grade education um, lady who taught me the greatest principles of my life. So it all began with my dad dying. The second turning point was coming to America. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were many turning points in the middle of all that. And then another turning point was, you know, succeeding in business. Another turning point was, but by the way, success in business did not come 100% of the time. I've also failed in business. And I make a distinction between um, uh, productive failures and non-productive successes. So this is why, Heather, you've seen this happen. A lot of people start a business, sell it to private equity, make a lot of money. And then now they want to start a second and third and fourth business and they don't work. And you wonder why why doesn't it work? This guy or this lady's already built a business. Well, because if you don't know what caused your success in the first place, if you don't understand the fundamentals, if you don't understand the principles that got you there, uh, it's difficult to replicate it. Yeah. And you know, I I I'm giving you a long answer, but listen, the three things we all have to learn in our life. First one is judgment. How do you teach judgment, Heather? The second one is awareness. How do we teach people to be aware? So when you succeed, you must be aware of all the principles that influence and impacted that success. And 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 the third one is relevance. And the problem with relevance, Heather, is this: people define relevance based on what they know or what they provide. That's not the definition of relevance. You, what you know and what you provide is called value, but value means nothing until it is appreciated by those whom you choose to serve. So I refer to it as appreciated value, not as value. I'll give you a simple example, then I'll quit. Look, um, uh, a friend of mine was the chairman CEO of PepsiCo. Um, I don't care for PepsiCo products. I, occasionally, I'll drink a Diet Coke, right? So if he had sent me a truckload of Pepsi products, you would argue that that truckload has value, right? Somebody's buying it. It's a big company. But for me, it has no appreciated value. So I'd have to give it away to somebody, right? Because I, I can't use it. I, I don't want it. And so we all have to think of relevance in that way. And and I think what's caused me in my life to sort of stay the course is somewhere along the pathway of life, I learned a little bit about judgment. How do you form it? How do you How do you recall it when you need to? How do you employ it when you must? And I've learned a lot about awareness. I'm fully aware. You're aware when you speak. You're aware of the audience. I know every audience member, what they're doing, what they're what they're thinking. Are they with me or not without me and so on. And then, of course, relevance. Relevance is a moving target. We were relevant, providing relevance yesterday. It may not be fruitful tomorrow. So, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of adversity in my life. I'm happy to elaborate. But listen, I, there were many a night when I had no money for dinner. And I would buy a bag of peanuts for 15 cents, you know, way back. 15 cents. And I put it in the oven and that would be my dinner because they have protein in it. Or Swanson dinners. I wait till they went on sale three for a buck, frozen dinners. And so I say to people, look, it's it's easy. It's like the guy who came to me after speech and said, man, I just heard you speak for three hours. And I'd give anything to speak like you do. I said, sir, I appreciate the compliment. Let me explain something. If you would give one-tenth of what I had to give to speak like I do, you'd be 10 times better than I could ever become. So we say things, Heather, that are meaningless. We say things that are not pregnant with with, um, impactful dialogue. It's just sort of words that come out. And I'm I'm very, very thoughtful about that. So, yeah, I've had a lot of adversity. But look, out of adversity, emerges abundance. And my mother sent me to America, coming to America for me was a turning point, huge turning point. Came on a one-way ticket, Heather. You know, I mean, I had no choice but to succeed. Didn't see my mom for five years, couldn't afford to go back. Mm-hmm. So we can go on and on, but, you know, maybe someday I should write a book about 
just adversity. Adversity is a wonderful thing. You know, I say to my audiences, I thank God for the adversity in my life. I thank God for the failures in my life. They made me a stronger person and a better person. Can I read you a quote that I just found the way? I don't know what you do, but I, when I I read stuff, I have a drawer filled with stuff. I write it down on sheets of paper. Oh, that's great. That's great. But listen to this. This is about fathers. Someone's, this is not original with me. Someone said, if you lose a father, you become a man. If you lose a mother, you become an orphan. Mm. Oh. So someone said, if you learned what you were missing, you'll make sure you'll never miss it again. This is powerful stuff. So when we talk about when we talk about success and failure, we talk about it in such remedial, pedestrian ways, when we ought to be talking about it in vertical and diagonal ways that that can um, fill our hearts and our souls with the Uh, the possible and with future potential. You you know, (laughs) there are so many nuggets. You're you're pulling a quote out of a drawer from someone else, but we've gotten so many quotes that we could take from you just in this opening statement. I mean, just some of them that I, I definitely want our listeners to just underline would be that that marriage of adversity and abundance would be um that uh, productive failure to to be that judgment and awareness and you know i, I want to just add a follow-up to that because i think mm. it's so so important that we learn that and i'm not sure that it's as prevalent now, perhaps, than what it was before. So for mm-hmm. our listeners right now that are trying to make the best choices, what what one word of advice would you give for them to think differently as it relates to judgment and awareness? Mm. Well, um, a clarity of vision. You, mm-hmm. you, you really, the challenge, Heather, is we have to answer the question, what does winning look like for me? In other words, what is success? We all talk about success, but what is it really? If it were fans, fame, and fortune, then shame on us because what about the third grade teacher who went to school four, five, six years? He or she chooses to be a third grade teacher. They're going to be overworked, underpaid. They're not successful. Who defines success for whom? Um, you know, Albert Einstein defines success as unraveling the secrets of the universe. Mother Teresa defines success as feeding the hungry and clothing the poor in the back alleys of Calcutta. Um, you know, uh, uh, Ted Turner defines success as, as building CNN. So, so for me, you know, we have to answer the question, what is my vision for my life? What is it? And I don't mean it in some, you know, you know big time stuff over here. I just, you know, everybody talk, wants to talk about the why. It's lovely. But the reality of it is, you know, what would make me at the end of the day say to me, well done, mm. that was a good day. What is that? Yeah. And what did you learn today that makes you a better person tomorrow? At the end of the day, the tomorrows of your life ought to be better than the yesterdays of your life, regardless how good the yesterdays were. Because if you don't do that, what are you aspiring for? What are you aspiring to become? And so for me, I would say to people, have a clear vision. Now, we, ne- we never have a precise, incisive vision all the time. And that would be, I guess, too academic. But but 
but have a notion of what makes us happy. You know, I love my work. When I read stuff about retiring and all that, I go, I guess if I hated my work, I'd want to retire. But it's like it's like going on a holiday every day. You know, <laughs> I'm sitting in my office. I got things to do, things to edit, things people to see. It's lovely. I realize not everybody has that privilege, and I respect that. But but for me, clarity of vision. Second, solid strategy. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to get there, then you just may not get there. Or you may get there and never know how to do it again. So you have to have a solid strategy. Answer the questions, where am I? Where do I want to go? How do I get there? Thirdly is practical systems. Heather, every speaker I know wants to write a best-selling book. I never aspired to do that. Because the moment you say, I want to write a best-selling book, you've now defined a best-selling book by quantity. Mm -hmm. But when I speak to an audience, I'm trying to reach one person. Just one. There could be 5,000 people in the crowd. If I could just reach one person in a penetrated way and they receive what they need to receive and do something with it, that's a really good day. But in society, we've taught people, you have to have everybody in the audience likes you. They have to give you a standing ovation, they have, you know, all of that stuff. And last, and last is consistent execution. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yes, you're going to fail. Yes, there are going to be days that are, that are terrible. Yes, you're going to lose some money. Yes, the stock market is not going to reward you every day. There are going to be people who cancel on you and so on. But you must rise above it, right? And so that's what I say to people. I'm I'm a realistic, practical, pragmatic individual. I don't expect the world to be perfect. I don't expect everyone to like what I say. I don't expect every, you know, I have 8,000 people on this campus between faculty, staff, and students. I don't expect everyone to agree with me. They have the right to think what they want to think. But that never robs me of the privilege of citing to you what I believe. I also have the right to share that with you. Hopefully, I'll share it with you in a kind way and gentle way, in a way that you would be accepting of it versus be resistant to it. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That Beautiful. And, and I'm just... I want to go back to the impact that your um, beautiful mother had on you. She's a very big influence for you. Now, did some of these lessons come from her? Did she give you other lessons? What are the the top things that you think back and you're like, oh, my mom gave me that? Yes, yes. I'm very clear on that because it's those lessons have been the um, the direct uh, ways that I've, I've attempted to live my life. So, so three of her great lessons, which I cite rather frequently. Number one, who you spend time with is who you become. And you can look at this any way you want. Let's say you want to become a millionaire. Then you better hang around some millionaires. Otherwise, you'll never know how they think. They never know what they do. Yeah. You want to become kinder person. Hang around kind people. You'll be a positive person. Quit hanging around negative people who just whine all day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to be a good thinker, an intelligent person, hang around people who have a, a gift of intellect so that they can deepen the way you dissect ideas and therefore deduce from them conclusions that can serve you in your life. Uh, so that was lesson number one. Lesson number two, what you choose is what you get. So would you please quit complaining about the Congress, the president, the weather, the economic condition, the recession, uh, COVID-19? Quit already. Quit already. We all have those issues. So You have choices. Make your choices and live with the results. Mm. That's called 
being responsible and being responsive. And so, so the notion is you have to have faith in life and you have to have courage in life. You put the two together, you have faithful courage. You do mm-hmm. amazing things when you have... That's what I did at Hype University. You do amazing things when you have faithful courage. So um, what you choose is what you get. Make good, solid choices. One of my quotes, Heather, that's been quoted in the millions of times all over the world by so many famous people and others, goes something like this. Your present circumstances do not determine where you end up. They only suggest where you start. Hello. So make good choices. The third one is how you change. Not if you change, not when you change, but how you change is how you succeed. In other words, your success is dependent on your attitudinal approaches to change. You must change, but your change has to be um, transformational. It cannot be just change. I just change the color of my tie. That's not really the change I'm talking about. I'm talking about you change in ways that make you a better person. That makes you more impactful, more influencing, and so on. So those are some of the lessons that, that she's taught me. You know? And and then I'll give you one other, you know, here's, here's a lesson that has served me so well. Um, my mother would say to me, it's okay, it's perfectly okay to be disappointed. People will disappoint you. Events will disappoint you. Uh, you know, governments will disappoint you. Friends will disappoint you. But it's never okay to be discouraged. Because mm-hmm. when you're discouraged... That has a fatal view of life. Discouragement means, oh my God, I got to give up. I put my hands up. But disappointment? Sure, you're human. You'll be disappointed. Do something about it and move forward. Mm. So these are some of the lessons that are very, very impactful. And when I recall them, you know, it just feeds my my soul and and enriches my heart. And that's really where we ought to begin, Heather. You know, we all try to begin over here. Hype University, I make sure I teach all the freshmen here, 16 are freshmen. And I say, sure, we want to nourish your mind. Of course, we want you to be intellectually gifted, academically resourced. Of course, but let me tell you something. All things begin in your soul and in your heart. If you're a good person, everything will, life will shower you with goodness. Oh my gosh. So I always had, like, as you're speaking, I'm, I'm, thinking of the 12 additional questions, but I, I want to try to narrow it and hone in on a couple so that we can get some biggies. I want to go a little bit deeper in faithful courage. Mm. So you alluded to it uh, just now, but can you share a little bit why you need this, your view of why you need faithful courage to succeed? Yeah, because look, take risk out of life. You take opportunity out of life. Mm-hmm. So the issue here is not that you and I ought to be avoiding risks. The issue here is that you and I need to learn how to manage risk. Mm-hmm. And it takes courage to do that. If you're faint at heart, if your dreams are minimal, your accomplishments will equal your dreams. There's no such thing as unrealistic dreams, only unrealistic timelines. So even if you have a big dream, just give yourself time to get there. You cannot... Rome was not built overnight, neither will your career or your business. But having said that, courage comes with trial and error some. But courage really comes from you reading about, 
listening to, watching people, attending seminars, having a life coach, someone who constantly saying to you, oh, yes, you can. You are enough. You were built to be extraordinary. Look, God didn't sit in heaven and say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to create some extraordinary people. Just to balance things off, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, I'm going to create some dinglings. So the question <laughs> is, which day were you born on? Of course not. We were all created in God's image. We're all extraordinary people. Mm. It's we who mess up our opportunities. So, so that's courage. But courage without faith is like saying, I am complete without faith. It's like saying, I am financially independent. It's like saying, I am a self-made person. There is no such thing, Heather. There is no such thing as a self-made person. We are dependent on the help and the counsel on others. We need heroes, models, and mentors. We have faith, whatever someone's faith is. You have to believe that there's a God out there who's looking after you. Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, and, and so that kind of faith and that kind of courage, merge them together, marry the two, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You get up every morning and say, I don't know this very minute how to do this. But with faithful courage, I will try, I will work, I will ask people, I will seek counsel, and I'll get it done. That's the essence of success in business, that people try to think that there is some secret to success. There's no secret to success. You work on you more than you work on your business and see what happens. Mm -hmm. It all has to do with your attitude, with your mindset. Carol Dweck, Stanford University professor, wrote a book called Mindset, in which she made the difference between growth mindset, fixed mindset. So people with growth mindset, they own the world. Think Condoleezza Rice grew up in, in the most segregated city called Birmingham, Alabama. She was poor. She wanted to become a classical pianist, Heather. She became a, an expert on Russian and Soviet you know, politics, geopolitics. She became the first woman, the first uh, African-American woman, and the youngest to be provost at Stanford University. What are we talking about? She became secretary of state. I interviewed her for my show called Side by Side, and I said, you got to tell me, Secretary Rice, how did you do that? And you listen to the answer. I've interviewed so many CEOs and so many successful people, and there is a common thread. There is a common thread. And my mother knew the answers before I ever went to college, undergrad or grad. And so, so that's, that's my message, is that you can't do it without. Don't use language like I'm financially independent. Say I'm financially confident. Don't use language like I'm a self-made person. So, but by the grace of God and the help of others, I've ever been able to do anything in my life and so on and so forth. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. You know, I want to ask a how, just like you asked a how of Condoleezza Rice. Mm-hmm. So you transformed High Point University. Mm-hmm. How did you do it? Well, number one, I surrounded myself with great people. Yeah. So I have a leadership team second to none. Mm-hmm. Number two, I communicated to all those in our employee, there were only about 380 when I started. We have 2,000 now. Mm. I communicated with them the art of the possible, mm. who we can become. What is it we aspire to be? And how is it that we can get there? And, and I made the difference between having a worker's mentality and an entrepreneurial mindset. So I have an entrepreneurial mindset. I don't clock in, clock out. I'm not thinking about things like that. And I never asked what my salary would be when I came here and so on. I said, this is a mission and we need to really lose ourselves into this mission. So that's kind of what we did. Now, of course, we had tenacity and faithful courage and blessings that have come our way and wonderful people we met. But look, we delivered appreciate value. 
And we did it with the highest level of service. So that we we did four things at Hype University. Hype University is located in Highport, North Carolina. It was founded in 1924. I came here in 2005. It was both broke and broken, unfortunately. Mm. Broke financially and, and, and broken in in terms of deferred maintenance and so on, brand and all that. Today, it's number one among best colleges in the South, according to U.S. News and World Report. And today, we have sort of 1,500 students. We have 6,000, and we're growing. We have 11 academic schools, including dental and law and pharmacy and so on. Um, and our brand has you know, catapulted itself to a very high level of achievement. So it took time. You know, we went through a great recession. We choose not to participate in the recession. We keep moving <laughs> forward. I love that. COVID-19 came along. We chose not to close. I said to parents, you're welcome to have your kid come home. 120 parents chose that. Most of them kids who had some, some health, you know, challenges. And, but what do you want me to teach your children? I want to teach them how to deal with adversity. I want to teach them how to overcome their fear. I want to teach them how to how to be on fire, you know, when it's necessary to do that. Yeah. And, and it's what's called leadership when the heat is on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we stayed open. Now we were very responsible, Heather. We hired nurses and doctors and drivers, and we rented 10 hotels. And we, of course, followed every rule and we used, you know, masks and we, we did this. So it's not like we were irresponsible, but I wanted to plant seeds of greatness, the minds, hearts, and souls of these students. And, and so we did four things at Hype University that could be, I think, instructive to anybody listening to us today. Number one, we created appreciated value. I've already talked about appreciated value. Number two, we interpreted the value. Never assume that your client or customer understand the fullness of the appreciated value that you're providing. You must interpret it. How do you interpret it? You follow the law of identification. What is that law? The law of identification simply says when something becomes personal, it then becomes important. Hmm. This morning, you're not thinking about your dentist, but God forbid if your tooth were hurting you, guess who you would be thinking about? When something becomes personal, becomes important. So you and I as speakers, consultants, and coaches, and writers, what we have to do is make everything we say personal to the person we're saying it to. That's when they feel connected to us. Mm-hmm. And then great things happen. So we create appreciate value. We interpreted the value. Number three, we removed all the irritants. I ask CEOs when I speak at a lot of conferences and I say, can you name me three things that irritate your customers about doing business with you? Scratch their heads. Some of them are so, so removed from that. Mm that they don't know what irritates their customers, right? Um, and and fourth, we employed consistent execution. In other words, what didn't work today, we improved it so that tomorrow we can do something. You know, it's the, it's, it's the principles of building a culture, which is the last point. We created a heck of a culture. We call ourselves a family here. We love everybody. We reward everybody. We compliment everybody. We acknowledge everybody. Well, at the same time, we expect performance, right? High level of performance. So how do you build culture? Number one, you inform. An uninformed employee is not going to do it your way. Number two, you involve. They can feel they're part of the solution, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're part of the problem, and you involve them in finding the solution. Yeah. Number three, you inspire. People must be inspired. Heather, I don't know what your 
your day schedule looks like. But I wake up between three and four in the morning and I study for two hours, sometimes three hours. I do all my homework, all my reading, but then I listen to inspirational material. Sometimes it's humor. I look for somebody funny for 10 minutes. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's a poem. Sometimes it's motivational. But just like I take a shower every day, I've got to feed my my heart and, and my mind. Um, number four, you inspect what you expect. Mm. Leadership demands your best. But the way you're going to demand it is you're going to command it. How do you command it? You live, they watch, they learn. You must model the behavior for them. And, and finally, you increase. So you, or actually you can say improve. You inspect, you improve. And then the last point is you increase. You increase capacity in every person who works with you. So I never tell you, it's better to do it this way without explaining to you why it's better to do it that way, without being open to your feedback about that. So that's how we did it. Uh, today we're, you know, I wish you could, you live in South Carolina, you ought to come see us. Where do you live in South Carolina, Heather? Um, Surfside Beach is close to Myrtle Beach. I would love to come to the university. Oh, okay, see. come see us sometime. Yes. You'll yes. see a beautiful, beautiful. I used to have a home in Myrtle Beach, and I gave it to the uh, university, and now faculty can take their families and stay there, oh, uh, you know, free, just as a as a way of saying thank you. But but look, it's all about it's all about um, understanding what humans want, mm -hmm. and then really committing yourself. Best kind of leadership, as you will know, because you demonstrate in your own life, servant leadership. When you are there to, nothing is beneath you. You can pick up the piece of trash. You can hold the door for the person behind you. You can thank the person who served you food. You can thank the lady who washes the dishes. It's called servant leadership. And, and when you do that, the world tends to respond to you in beautiful ways. Oh, it does. It does. You know, it, we could spend all day chatting and we're going a little over, but I have to ask this other question because for me, I spend a lot of time talking about the difference between judgment and choice and choice is a huge part of what mm. I do. And so you have a tagline at the university called choose to yes. be extraordinary. Mm. So do you want to just talk about that for a moment? Yeah, that's, that's our call to action, right? Uh -huh. Our call to action is, Choose to be extraordinary. Yes. You can't just say be extraordinary because it's a choice. Mm -hmm. You choose to be ordinary, which is okay. Lots of people are ordinary. They're average. That's okay. I'm not passing any judgment on them. That's what they choose to do. But it is a given that you, can, you cannot swim in an ocean of sameness and expect the world to sit up and notice you. Mm -hmm. You cannot swim in a lake of differentiation and expect the world to reward you amply. But when you live in a small pool of distinction, look out. Yes. Because assuming that distinction is also equivalent to what they need, you know, the, the, the what's personal to them and appreciate value and so on, people will be a, a path to your door. Mm. And that's why we, we say that. You know, these are young people. Remember, these are 18, 22, 23 year old. They need to be taught about life. And, yeah. and you can choose, you, you're going to be ordinary. You can be a C student. You can be a D student. That's your choice. You can graduate in three years. You can graduate in five years. It's your choice. You can be a happy person, a miserable person. It's your choice. But I'm telling you, if you choose to be extraordinary, your life is going to be much, much more joyful. Oh, incredibly empowering for those students. I love that. So as we're closing, 
do you um do you have a particular way that you would prefer people if they are loving this conversation and they want to uh, talk to you more or find out more about you how do you recommend that they reach out to you well one of the one of the simplest way is to go to highpoint h i g h p o i n t highpoint one word dot e d u like education mm-hmm. edu and you will see tons of stuff you will see my You'll see so many of my interviews with some of the greats in America. Uh, You'll see a lot of articles. You'll see a lot of stuff that will be very nurturing. Uh, If someone has something, you know, of great interest, and I don't want to encourage a million people to write me, but but I'm happy to answer a short email. My email is usually Mm -hmm. six lines or less. Uh, My email address is nkubain, N-Q-U-B-E-I-N, N-Q-U-B-E-I-N. E-I-N at highpoint.edu. I'm happy to receive, you know, an email from somebody as long as it's somewhat intelligent, (laughs) somewhat understanding. No, that's wonderful. I appreciate it very much. So as we're coming to a close, do you have that? You've already given us so much, so much value, so much appreciated value. So what are your final parting words of wisdom that you want to make sure every listener walks away with? Yeah, I would say that uh, don't be a horizontal thinker because that makes you average. Be a vertical thinker. Always look, peel the onion, always look beneath. Mm -hmm. Uh, What people tell you may not exactly be what they mean. If you're in sales, when someone says your price is too high, they may not be at all fussing about price, maybe a whole host of other reasons. Um, Number two, be a learner. Don't go to sleep at night without asking yourself, what did I learn today I didn't know yesterday? Make sure that every single day you're learning something. Number three, um, be open to to new concepts, new ideas. And after a while, you become that person. You become the visionary person who's coming up with a lot of those ideas. Um, and, you know, life can be tough, Heather. As, as we all know, life can be difficult. Um, but in the difficulty, there's also the germ of greatness. Mm-hmm. And if life were easy, everybody would achieve the same things. And then you become average again. So look at difficulty as an opportunity to grow, to uncover, to discover, uh, to become a person of meaning and purpose and value. Uh, and, and, then, and then be careful with your choices. You don't have to be a friend to everybody. You don't have to hang around everybody. There are people who suck the oxygen out of you, yes. right? And finally, I would say, be grateful. Mm-hmm. You know, start with oxygen, which costs you nothing, but without which you would die. Be grateful for oxygen every day as you take that breath of life and be grateful for the little things and the big things that come your way. Walk on the beach sometimes when nobody's there and realize you're a speck of sand. Mm -hmm. You and I are not as great as we think we are. We're just a speck of sand. So put things in perspective and be grateful for all the goodness that found its way to your life. Oh, Dr. Cobain, I love all of these. And every morning, that's how I start my day is by walking on the beach at sunrise. That's one of the things that I do to um, come back to that gratitude. There's so many blessings. And I count one of them is this time with you today. So thank you. And those of you listening, thank you for being here. Thank you for your beautiful reviews. And please, if you love the show as much as I did, please share it with a friend. And let's uh, get this message of Dr. Cobain's out there. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. It's a pleasure being with you.